Welcome to the Three Wine Guys with Terry, Stevo, and Scott. I'm Jax Harrington. Today's show will be a special edition. This should be a smashing show. Gentlemen, commence the whining. Well, wait, welcome to the latest podcast. It's the uh, Pinot Grigio slash uh, Pinot Gris. Pinot Gris. Pinot Gris. It's sexy time. It's sexy time. It's sexy time. Yeah, because no wine is more sexier than Pinot Grigio. This is actually the first wine I believe that I ever had in a restaurant. And one of the ones actually that Terry brought, the Santa Margarita, that was the wine. And that wine also for me is... Um, Probably the first time I had a white wine where I was like, hey, I like this. Yeah. And then you, I mean, it was like the graduation steps, you know? So it's like one of the ones I I first enjoyed. You know, I was out to dinner at a nice uh, restaurant in the city and uh, looked over these groups of people that were, um, this young group of people, like probably in their mid-20s, and I looked over at them and I, and I saw them ordering up the Pinot Grigio and like yeah. sort of being like, this stuff is the bomb. And I was like looking at them, I was like, yeah, I was there too. Yeah, you know, yes, sort of stepping stones. But, but oh, yeah, you mean recently you were at some? Place yeah, recently, yeah, and I saw guys drinking that, and I was wow. like, well, yeah, I was there. I was there. Yeah. I remember thinking this, you know, Pinot Grigio, Santa Margarita is like one of the one of the wines. Did I they loved. have Z Cavarici jeans on? Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Did, did they have the, the Velcro pullaways? Yeah, oh, they were hot, man. They were they were ballers. You know, they were flashing a lot of cash. It was an expensive place. Really? Yeah. This is at uh, Joe's Stone Crab. Oh, oh nice. cool. Yes, it's a great yeah. place, actually. Uh-huh. Oh, word up. Yeah. So, all right, so a little bit about the Pinot Grigio. Well, you know, I, I, I'm going to defer to uh, Dr. J. Um, just give, let's give everybody a little bit of background uh, on Pinot Gris and uh, what uh, JC. Um, oh, no, I'm sorry, not JC. JC? JR. JR. Oh, I think Jesus Christ there, you know, JC. Yeah, you know, it's all good. The carpenter, and he drank, so. He, he definitely did. Yeah. He, he, no, he definitely did. But as far as, I just want to know, I was curious what, you know, what she had to say uh, as far as about Pinot Grigio and, uh, and Pinot Gris. And actually, while you're uh, looking at Janice uh, Robinson, you can go to her uh, website. Fantastic website. I'm a member of it. And uh, she writes a, uh, a weekly, semi-monthly column, The Purple Pages. And it's yes. some really good info on oh, no, so awesome, awesome stuff. I highly yeah. recommend uh, going to her. I think it's uh, com. I've got links on her 3 one guys website for yes. the cool links page. So. Yeah, yeah, so so um, I'll just read a, just a few snippets. She you know she starts off saying Pinot Grigio is an immensely popular varietal uh, with a common Italian name for the French variety Pinot Gris, and is probably best known by the name Pinot Grigio as opposed to uh, to Pinot Gris. And I was just mentioning that there were about eight. 8,000 acres of Pinot Grigio in Italy in 1990, and um, now there are oh, well over 20,000 uh, acres, 25,000 wow. acres wow. in Italy. Um, so Pinot Grigio keeps growing and growing and growing. Her exact words are, um, most of these plantings are, are in the northeast. The best and richest wines are produced in Friuli, while those produced in Alto Adige can be particularly aromatic. However, the bulk of Pinot Grigio produced today comes from Veneto, near Venice. 
she says that uh, where large volumes are, are produced by growers and their co-ops, um, the Veneto versions tend to be rather neutral and at their best inoffensive. Oh, inoffensive. Saying, inoffensive. That's and then, a polite way of saying Yeah. And yeah. then she and then she goes on to say as far as, you know, Pinot Gris. They're um, not bad. They're not offensive. Yeah, yes. Th- <laughs> That's my British lady no, no, I was voice. To, I was to Hello. Say, I was about to say thank you, Simon. <laughs> um, and then uh, she says as far as, part of, as far as Pinot Gris, she they're says. They're not quite bad. bad. <laughs> they're quite lovely. No, uh, no, not lovely. They're not lovely. Yes. They're not bad. They're not lovely. <laughs> they're... They're yes. inoffensive. Yes. Inoffensive. Oh dear. I was not off put. Yeah. Um, anyway, no, so for Pinot Gris, she says that uh, the, uh, the fashionable wine variety produces soft, gently perfumed wines with more substance and color than most whites. I think we'll agree with that after drinking these, right, guys? Um, and, and, and she says what you can expect because it, this variety is one of the best known mutations of Pinot Noir. And uh, Pinot Noir berries are purplish, bu- uh, purplish, purplish blue, while Pinot Blanc are greenish yellow. And Pinot Gris grapes can be anything, uh, anything in between, uh, from grayish blue to brownish pink. In the vineyard, Pinot Gris can easily be mistaken for, for Pinot Noir because uh, the leaves are exactly the same color. They're actually identical. And particularly ripe years, they're almost the same color. I mean, um, actually, as you're reading that, I'm looking yeah. at our white wine, uh, white grape poster and our uh, red grape poster. And that's pretty accurate. Yeah, yeah. F- from the poster, at least. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. But, you know, well, Pinot, as we mentioned before, Gris actually means gray. So Pinot Gris is named for... You know the the grayish kind of grayish pinkish color that it typically has. The the grayest area for for Pinot Gris in France, I'm kind of subphrasing here or paraphrasing, is Alsace, um, where it's to, uh, traditionally known as uh, Tokai. Tokai. It is not. Uh, it's basically it's it is. Um, it's it's that, not offensive. Either. Yeah, it says it's less commonly planted than um, than Riesling or Gewürztraminer, but it's gaining ground and fulfills a unique function as a provider of a super rich, usually dry wines that can be partnered with food without the distraction of too much aroma. Oh, well, right. that makes sense. Yeah. Yes. Um, And then as with Pinot Blanc, uh, more Pinot Gris planted in both Germany and Italy than in France. Um, In Germany, it is known as Rulander or Grauburgunder. Uh-huh. I yes. one of those removed from uh, my foot. Yeah, and then lastly, she, she mentions that it's widely planted not in just Austria, but also in Slovenia, Moravia, and Romania. Now, when we did the the when we did the uh, the wine Olympics, did we have a, did we have a Slovenian Pinot Gris or yes. a Romanian? Okay, Slovenian. We've been asked about will we do it again, but I said I replied. I oh, said that was a lot of work. I, said, I told him I said a lot it's, of really bad wine. Yeah, I told oh, I told uh, that was a Facebook question. When will you do it yeah. again? I said they they occur every four years. Yeah, what's exactly? Yeah, that's true. Well, unless or two, you do or two. two. That's a, I said we might have a summer and a f- winter. Olympics. Wine Olympics, but right. we haven't done it yet. It's not going to happen this summer. It'd have to be. No. It'd have to be the Winter Olympics because it actually has been two years. Yeah. So. Oh wow! But that's a lot of work, though. Yeah. That Chinese wine, that China oh, wine. God. Oh God! Yeah. And the last and the last thing she said. Did I drink? Do we drink the Vietnamese wine? No. Holy You're God! Holding I, have that, I have that somewhere in my place. You know, yeah. No well, we're going to do is. we're going to do the off the beaten path wine yes. thing, and I've got I have an Illinois wine, a Norton. Oh, do you already? Good. Oh, that's what I was going to bring. That's I have a- I have a North Carolina 
Well, I thought you had the Vietnamese wine. No, no, no. Oh, no, no. For, the, you for American? We're going to do an, we're like an American non... Basically. Well, I tried to get Missouri wine, but the closest I could find was Alton. Yeah. So, I mean, that's pretty much right across I, I, the river I, I, yeah, from St. I, I, Louis. I'm, I'm, I'm saying that we should do a, an American uh, wine contest east of the West Coast. Yeah, I gotta get, we got to get a Texas wine, too. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Right. And a Virginia wine. And a yeah. New York wine. I do have a New York cab front from the Finger Lakes. What, what year is it? New or really old? Uh, it's going to be in 04. Oh, okay. That's good. We can drink that. Okay. Yeah, um, back and, then, and back to, to, to JR. She says that Pinot Gris' impact on the new world has so far been limited, but it is perceptively increasing. Uh, the variety has been one of Oregon's most successful and has officially overtaken Chardonnay as the most widely planted white varietal in, in Oregon. And that's the reason why I did Which or- I would agree because oh, just walk so, down a uh, any wine shop aisle and yeah. you're always going to see an Oregon Pinot Gris. You that's rarely true. see a Chardonnay. Right. And in, um, I was going to say that uh, in, in New Zealand, um, it is the second most common, commonly planted uh, white variety. Behind the kiwi? Yes, behind kiwi, yes. Um, and then lastly, i got to throw this out there because this, this is A lot of lastlies. School. Yeah, sorry. I, I've said lastly about six times. The, wi- the variety is also much admired for its weight and relatively, relatively low acidity in Luxembourg where we kill. We kill, yeah. Three wine guys on iTunes, we we We've been in Luxembourg. Yeah, for a while there, we were uh, number four or five, or no, number two in Luxembourg for a good solid two years, which... I'll look it up. Yeah, we haven't given them props, so we might be down, but cheers to our fans in Luxembourg. So. Word up, yeah. Wow. So uh, let, let's... Well, what, do, what do we want to start with? We've let, got let's start Italy, with the no, no, let, we got let, France. Let's start with Italy. Let's start in the order. We'll do T-Bones first, then we'll do my two, and we'll wrap up with you. And I'll bring up the rear. Bring up the rear. Yeah, okay. Uh, My wine, as I said before, is... uh, You got a lot of information there, so... I do. It's from Santa Margarita. Mm -hmm. And... uh, By the way, so here's what we did, just for for you guys out there. We... We tasted the wines blind. We knew what we had, but we weren't, we weren't you know, we didn't know which, we, we knew what everyone bought, but we hadn't tasted them. So, right. And I, and I haven't had a Santa Margarita in, I, yeah. it's got to be 15 years. It's been a long time since yeah, I've Actually, I for me, like, no, two. I got it. It could even be bordering almost 20 years. Yeah. Cause it was, I, I was literally, it had to be 90. You were 21. Yeah. Well, 15 years. Yeah, so right around there. Wow, we're 25 and uh, three wine guys. So. In Luxembourg? Yeah. Sweet. Yeah. All right. Um, yeah, so the history of, of, of Santa Margarita is uh, in 1935, It was uh, this, this land was purchased by uh, Count Gaetano. Gaetano Marzotto Jr., and he was an entrepreneur kind of guy. He purchased land Alto Adige. He was told by others that it was a good area for making wine. He didn't really know too much about it. And this this guy was an entrepreneur, though, and he 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 saw this um, as an an opportunity to make in really um, is making money. That's what he was into. And he was also um, his his son actually took over the business many years after that, and he took on his entrepreneurial spirit, where they listed the company on the stock exchange in Italy. And uh, was also really into um, in, into really um, purchasing and acquiring businesses overseas and, and all over the place. Uh, then um, the history of them, that sort of what made them really famous in 1961, one of their enologists uh, came up with a way to 
to um, to vinify the the Pinot Gris, hmm. and it, Pinot Grigio prior to Santa Margarita changing the way it looked it was a blush wine it was a reddish wine hmm. yeah so yeah so actually and here i'll throw in my little my little history for you yeah. here the um the italians actually work at one point they were refer they were refer, yeah they're referring to it as romato and romato in italian means copper because the skin of the grape was actually copper c- copper colored so the wine that was produced up until 1960 for this grape pinot grigio was usually a coppery colored wine almost like a light rosé okay just throwing that out there yeah so um so their history that yeah so, so basically yeah that was that's what sort of put them on the map is is the way they were vinifying this wine and uh, having this nice crystal clear wine uh prior to 1979 no pinot grigio from italy at least was it was imported into america right and uh i believe it's frank Turlato from the Turlato group they put him on the map. Yeah, he was a young um, young guy uh, who's importing wine from Chicago. Actually, you got to try my grapes. Yeah, <laughs> and, and he uh, he basically put them on the map. He, he went there and, and decided that um, he, he tried a bunch of different wines from regions and said, "This is the wine that I want to import." And it's now the largest sold wine in restaurants. In the world, in for, the world, for like four, four or five years, I think it's been so more. Oh, it, more even, even back ten years ago, yeah. fifteen years ago, it was so, always so. It's always on. It's on most every, and you menu. can find it in just about every grocery store. In it, whether the oh, Chicago and yeah. Jewel, Dominic's, uh, Safeway, you name it. And this is a two thousand seven vintage. Uh, the price on it now. That's the thing. I like. I couldn't figure out what the price was because I saw it all over the place. Uh, I think you're fair if you say twenty bucks. Yeah, I twenty. Uh, it, anything below twenty. Yeah. I, I mean, I, you, I've seen it for for twenty two, twenty four. And I've right. seen it as low and as six, seventeen dollars. Yeah. yeah. So, um, I paid eighteen dollars for it at our local wine establishment. So. Um, Let's talk about it. Well, first off, you know, as far as the the wine, the last thing to say about it is that now the wine itself, I mean, they literally produce millions and millions Four, of bottles. 445K. I couldn't find out the production, the actual yeah. like hard numbers on it. So I looked at, um, you know, Wine Spectator always puts, the, at least they almost always, they put the production yeah. uh, on, on the, the wine they review. I don't think they've reviewed one of their wines in a couple years. Right. But at that time, it was 445,000 cases. Yeah, this, so. I, I would assume that it's close to close to a million cases. Probably. Really? Yeah. Nowadays? Yeah. Wow. Well, yeah, I would say, because what I was going to say about this wine is that this wine, for all the you know innovations that were initially done with this wine, is the fact that it put Pinot Grigio on the map and it's created a, you know, a real you know, a style of wine. God bless them. Now it is really, it's a manufactured wine. Mm-hmm. It is every year, stylistically, they have an idea of what the wine should taste like, and every year they manufacture and they manipulate the wine to taste this way. And actually, that's the thing. As I recall going back, you know, 15, 16 years ago, the first time I had it, I remember it being really sweet and what we refer to as like the patio pounder, where it was really easy to put down. And now it's completely different from what I remember. Uh, Yes, I was going to say that... uh, it's funny because we taste these wines blind, and um, 
I don't want to jump the gun here, but the fact is, is that this was the first wine we tasted. And based on the initial aspects of the wine, I thought it was the Oregon wine that we were going to do. And oh, so, so did you, Tebow? I liked it right away. Yeah. I honestly, I honestly liked it, but this time, that's a short window. I'm talking, you're talking uh, you know, in, a, in, a, in a lot of ways, maybe? in a lot of ways, this wine reminded me of the Chuck Shaw, the two buck Chuck. And that right from the get-go, boom, great. This wine changed dramatically in about a half an hour. But he, you know? even from the get-go, yeah. the lime was just so apparent to me. Yeah. I mean, it was like sucking on a lime. Well, I put yeah. down my, my notes. Like, I put down um, lemon, apricot, minerality. And then I mean, this is as, as it progresses. Because I, I thought there was like a, a, um, a nice, like almost sugar value to it. Yeah. And that's all gone. It's just, it's webbed away with, with a lot well, of acidity yeah. and um, lime. So what I did is I judged all the wines because we're doing blind. I, first I went and just judged them all based on their appearance. Then I went through and I judged their aromatics. And then I actually went through and tasted them all. And the appearance of the wines, platinum gold. Uh, platinum pale gold, day bright, um, not quite a little bit um, hazy, not quite completely mm-hmm. uh, clear. But on the nose, uh, initially anyway, um, the wine I thought was floral, was kind of flinty and had a bit of almost a melon quality, like yeah. a honeyed melon initially. And on the taste, I got pink grapefruit and like anise, yeah, you, know, I, I, you know, a little bit of like a fennel type quality to it. And uh, yeah, I did get some minerality, but this was by far, and I'm going to coin my new phrase, the limiest. So it was just citrus, yeah, citrus bomb, really strong, yeah. So much that the finish, your mouth is like juiced up, where it was like a juicy finish, but yeah. it wasn't like juicy fruit gum. It was just like so much lime. Yeah, it's to, too much to, for to, me. To me, I, I, I was, I thought it was predominant uh, grapefruit flavor. What did, what did you get? Yeah, I got grapefruit. I did. Yeah. I don't get as much liminess. Yeah. Um, but I get like the citrus notes, and um, and then. Just the the acidity is really bright on it. I can see why maybe it does well in restaurants yeah. because well, yeah. you pair this with something and it's going to take on a whole new life. You know, you know? I, yeah, I, you know, on the finish, you know, and the body and the finish, you know, I put down it was had a oily, viscous, fairly round uh, body to it, and to me, um, you know, I, I got a little bit of uh, like slightly bittered, like in a pleasant, ple- I put down pleasant bitter citrus. Yeah, and um, the only thing about the wine is that it, the the, the the pleasant, it, it, it doesn't have a real long finish. It, to me, it's kind of short to medium. It kind of fades rather quickly. Mm-hmm. So, um, but I, I didn't find the wine to really have any major faults at all. Um, like I said, I thought it was crisp. I was surprised that afterwards I figured, oh, this must be the Oregon. Well, me too. I flipped, yeah. I flipped them too because fortunately we were blind, but we were yes. semi blind because we knew what we were drinking. Yes. But we didn't know what, you know. Yes, we, exactly. We, we knew right. what the bottles I, I, were. I apologize. People were like, they're not blind. You know what they are? Okay, yeah, semi blind tasting. Yeah, semi blind. We had cataracts. Yeah, exactly. And I, yes. I really wanted, because on the appearance, the alcove was lighter than this, and I was thinking it's probably that. And then, But when I drank them, I. Um, I, I thought it was it, but it, it wasn't. I, I, yeah. I wanted, I sort of wanted it to be that way in my mind, but I, yeah. I, I actually, I, the Santa Margarita, I didn't. I didn't hate it. I thought, no, I, thought no. I would. So as Jan, what did Jan says, Robinson? What did she say? Not unple- No, un- not unpleasant. It's not. No, unpleasant. it's not inoffensive. It's not. Inoffensive. Yes. See, and that's what she says, the, and, and it's exa- that's exactly how she described this one. The the fact that you guys picked up grapefruit would make sense because I hate grapefruit. Yes, that's to me is of all the fruits is like 
repulses me. Yeah. Oh, I yeah, well, cannot there, there stand grapefruit. Yeah. And that's probably why I was sick because I try to avoid it at all costs. Juice, right. you name it, I right. avoid well, it. I had no idea. And um, this to me, when you mentioned grapefruit, I'm like, that's probably why I don't like it. Yeah. I, I, I give the wine a C plus. Yeah, I give a C plus too. Okay. Yeah, I did C minus. Okay. Yeah. yeah so. I, I did the B minus C plus range because yeah. at first I really – it, it has a short lifespan, yes. like most whites, anyways, right. do. But th- this one, um, I did not. I, I, Here's the last thing I want to say about um, this wine. Kind of bring it out. Is that all the other ones? They all changed as they came a little bit warmer. You know, is that you know right. when they went from that fridge temp at forty to that fifty, fifty-five, sixty degree temperature. This was the one wine that did not improve as it got warmer. No, it didn't. Right. Yeah. So uh, for me, I would never, this would never leave the sea. And because it was so short, it would- Throw some ice cubes in it. Yeah, it would never leave the sea ter- territory for me. The fact that it's getting a C plus uh, is kind of really blowing me away. I thought that, uh, yeah. So, um, anyway. Yeah. All right. So we move on to the uh, number two. The Venica. Um, the Venica and Venica. So the uh, the Venica family, um, they are from, as Jancis Robbins said, the best area for Pinot Grigio in Italy is Friuli, and they are from Friuli. And the two main uh, main areas uh, in Friuli for growing uh, white wine, I should say white wines, but uh, particularly Pinot Grigio, is um, one area called Colio, and the other area that's called Coli, it's Coli um, Orientale. Colio? Colio, <laughs> yes. Colio. <laughs> And uh, this is from Colio, and Colio is considered actually slightly more prestigious um, than the the Orientale the Orientale region. Um, but the the Venica family themselves, the uh, the grandfather uh, actually founded the winery back in 1930, and um, now it's actually being run by the grandsons uh, Giorgio and John uh, Paolo. You guys met John Paolo mm-hmm. at, at that tasting. Oh yeah, yeah. oh yeah. The uh, table right next to you, sort of. Yeah, around the corner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, nice, yeah. Nice, nice guy, really Very, nice guy. Really, really into his wine. Yeah, yeah yes, yeah. absolutely. So the uh, the grandsons are kind of taking over. The the father actually oversees their production, but uh, um, like I said, these guys, this is all estate fruit and all estate, all estate vineyards. The name of this particular vineyard is Jocera. And uh, it's in Bernitza. There are four different plots. There are four different plots. The oldest being from 1972, which is almost 40 years. Mm-hmm. And then the youngest uh, is just closer to 35 years. I'm yeah, the closer to 35. Yeah. So the, the average age of the vines are 25 years, which is uh, pretty good for um, uh, for, for Pinot Grigio. The uh, the production is about 2,000 cases. 2,000 cases of this particular wine. Now, these guys are very old school in their production. And the first thing that kind of struck me, as you guys will, will as you guys can attest to on the appearance, is that this wine has a brassy, peachy blush characteristic. Yeah. yeah. So whenever you have a Pinot Grigio and it has that real nice blush character, what it will tell you immediately is that, one, it's a small production wine, usually, mm-hmm. but that the, the, the winemakers are waiting for the skins to get particularly ripe. Mm-hmm. Now, they can cheat, and they can just give the wine skin contact, but then the wine becomes pink like a rosé. And you'll notice that this doesn't have any pinkness about it. It has that really kind of coppery, you know, right? You can, I'm just looking at, at T-Bone's glass. You can see Scotch glass, right, T-Bone? Yeah. Uh, that that, that brassy, yeah. blushy, brushy, uh, blushy, blushy color. You, you guys go ahead and make your comments uh, on the appearance and uh, the nose and such. The nose was really mild. 
Yes. And from what you were reading before, I mean, it plays right into uh, uh, exactly that. It was uh, I, I did get some citrus, but to me, the minerality came out more than uh, than the fruit did. Yes. And uh, but it, it definitely a muted nose. Yeah, I got on the nose. I got a little bit of flintiness, like yeah. you were saying before, uh, and then like a little like toastiness on it, uh, mm-hmm. like almost like yeast, like bread maybe. And on the taste, uh, um, I got a lot of pear, lemon. Slight citrus, but it was really round. This mm-hmm. was a nice round wine. Yeah, and um, it had a little bit of that real rusticness to it. I think you know, a yeah. little, little bit of uh, herbalness to it. Uh, it, was, it, was, it was a neat, neat wine, actually. Yeah, to me, um, the, the wine itself had you know citrus. It had a fennel quality, and then for me, definitely had this uh, green almond uh, characteristic to it as well. But the wine was. Vastly different from the first wine in that there was a distinct minerality mm-hmm. and it had a, a salinity to it. Yes, it had a, 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 yeah, a finish. It was a crisp acidity, but it wasn't. A, it wasn't. It wasn't overly acidic. Mm-hmm. You know, it was never mouth watering. It was never. No. You know, you know, it's never mouth puckering. I should say. Yeah, this this was by you know not spoiling the next two, but to me it was the most drinkable as it got up. From going from that colder temperature, which it really wasn't like we pulled it out of a refrigerator at like 34 degrees. We had it at, I think, what was it, like 42, 45? Yeah, they recommend – it's cool. They say, right, you know, they, they say yeah. on the bottle it's 50 degrees and they recommend drinking. Yes. And so, as, it up, white, as it got up – as it got – even in – you know, it's – mine's got to be close to room temperature. Yeah. Definitely as it got up to uh, a warmer temperature, it really improved. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, but uh, also the other thing that was going for this wine, um, in addition to the complexity, was that uh, it was really long in the finish and pleasantly long. It mm-hmm. didn't just quickly dissipate. But this wine, you're going to see, you know, roughly I would say around twenty two, twenty two bucks. Um, but you know, this is to me, you know, there are a few super producers of Pinot Grigio, Herman, Alois Legator, uh, just. You know, to name a few others, but Venica and Venica, the Venica brothers, uh, you know, or I should say the Venica family, I apologize, without question, one of the best Pinot Grigios you're going to find. And it's, it might be up to $25 retail, but uh, I think definitely worth it. Oh, yeah. Definitely worth it. I, I, I gave I the one an A minus. Uh, I'm there with you. I, I did B plus. Yeah. Maybe because I'm ranking what's coming up next for me. So, but yeah. Yeah. All well, right. next is Al- Alcova's. I mean, the, the one following that. Okay. So. Gotcha. Um, so Elk Cove, um, in the past, we have done a number of wines from Elk Cove. I think we did the Pinot Noir. Yeah, we did. We did the Pinot Noir. And did we do a Gewurz? No. No? No, we did a Pinot Noir from Elk Cove. Um, and I, just on various broadcasts in the past, we've, sure. we've, we've, we've given a lot of, t- a lot of love to Elk Cove, uh, in the past. Elk Cove was founded in, in 74, uh, by the, the Campbells. They have, I think, oh, almost 200 acres now on four different sites in uh, northern Willamette, and they have uh, uh, steep south-facing, uh, south-facing slopes of Willikensee and Laurel Wood soil types. Where they both have excellent drainage. So, uh, Cove, the um, now the son uh, Adam Adam uh, Godley Campbell, he came back to the winery about uh, ten years ago and uh, has been their chief winemaker there. At, at Cove themselves, they produce uh, three different Pinot Noirs, uh, a Pinot Gris, and a Riesling. 2007 was not a uh, was not a very good vintage. Um, I'm sorry, the Pinot Gris that we had from uh, I should have said that. Sorry, the the uh, the Santa Margarita is at an 08 or 07. 
07. 07. Oh, is it? It is an 07? Yeah. Awesome. Thank God. Because the Venica is an 07. Okay. And this is an 07. So these are all three similar types mm-hmm. to, to, to judge. Um, 07 was not a particularly good year. Um, in I should say that. It was a very challenging year. It was cool. And uh, Would you say the production was in this? Uh, this one itself? You know, I'm... I don't. Th- I don't have the uh, the, the exact numbers okay. of the production on this. Oh, eighteen thousand cases of this Pinot Gris. Mm-hmm. Nice. Uh, that's a lot more than I thought. Yeah, that's what I, um, I'm looking. I would, at. I would as, as, that I would guess. But uh, anyway, what I was going to say was is that 2007 was a better vintage for whites in in uh, in Oregon than than reds. But the uh, those who did really well were, were those um, I should say the wine growers and the wineries that did well were those that limited their fruit. And the reason why I say this is that I had the 06, and the 06 to me was not as rich and wasn't as uh, as fat as, as this particular wine. I, I digress. Let's go ahead and, uh, and get into this. So this was platinum gold. This was also so this was more similar to Santa Margarita. I think it was no, even no blushness bit, at all. A little bit lighter, even. Yeah, 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 absolutely. This was the lightest of the four wines, without question. And it had a cl- uh, real clearness to it and brightness yes. to it, as the, the Santa Margarita wasn't as um, bright. I didn't think. No, I, I, no, exactly. I, I, I mentioned. I, I think I, I even used a word that was hazy. Yeah. This yeah. was like this was uh, had almost like a, you know like, like pure, a diamond yeah, type brilliance yeah, to, like, to, like to pure to almost exactly it very good. clean. Um, yeah. Now this one I thought it had did a nice. Um, it was sort of a nice go between wine because the Santa Margarita and the the, the Venica. The Santa Margarita had a little bit more of that um, citrus. Yes. And the Venica to me had a little bit more of that melon and herb. Yeah. And then I think they, you combine that with the alcove. I got a lot of that acidity, the lemon uh, with melon, and a little bit of tropicality to it, uh, like like almost like pineapple-y and and um, like like fruit punch, you know? Yes. Like a white fruit punch. No yeah. no red fruit allowed. I no here. What what do you what did you get, Scott? Um, to be honest, I wasn't a. I, I, the least fan I was was the Santa Margarita. This followed that up. The, it's better than the Santa Margarita, but um, the citrus aspect, whether it be grapefruit, lime, whatever, it still was a little overpowering for me. Well, it's, it's funny because when we taste this blind, I guess it is the Santa Margarita. So I have to apologize to Oak Cove. I thought your wine was Santa Margarita. And the reason why is that it, it was so – Ultra clean in appearance. Right. I just thought, okay, it just lacks character. Yeah, that's what I thought too. And then on the pa- on on the nose, I I got saline and golden apple uh, mm. on the nose. Yeah, and, green apple. I put yeah, on, yeah, yeah. And uh, but on the palate, to me, it was definitely it was golden apple. I put golden apple lime spritz. Um, sl- I put golden apple and slightly honeyed lime spritz. Yeah, I put limeade. Lime, limeade, yeah. Um, but you know, that being said, the the round, the, the it was it was round uh, on the palate. It never got overly citrus to me. It was crisp. There was definite richness to the wine, and I appreciated the fact that there was some complexity and actually had like a nuttiness to it. But the the whole reason why I guess this as a Santa Margarita is that I thought the Santa Margarita was going to be a sweet. Right, that's uh, you know, you know, going for the masses, you know, swinging for the fences, you know, let's yeah, go, you know, tropical and fruity, and you know that type of thing. The wine chick, this would be her style. Basically, there's definitely residual sugar in this. Mm-hmm. There's definitely some RS, and and uh, it might be one percent, one and a half. I'm not, I'm not sure, but I'm, I'm just saying this. If you like your wines, this is almost like in a way like a, a riesling. Yeah, you yeah. know, you might guess this is a riesling blind. Yeah, I know? could see it. So um, what I'm saying is, is that. 
if you are a Riesling fan or a Gewürz fan, this might be your style uh, of Pinot Gris. Um, and the wine chick, I like another another winery in, in Willamette that she likes called the Four Graces. Also has that sweetness to it to it as well. For me, I thought it was well made. I I, I like the complexity. I wasn't the biggest fan of it. I gave it a B minus. I gave it a B minus as well. Yeah. C C yeah. okay C C. Uh, the last one is from a France. It's uh, from Alsace. 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 Uh, this is Albert Mann's 2000. Albert Mann. Uh, 2005 Cuvée Albert. And uh, this retails uh, right around $20. And uh, I actually got the steel deal for $14. But so, we didn't judge it on 14 We judged no, it as a 20, 20. So around $20 or something. Albert Mann Vineyard Winery is. Uh, Long history in Alsace, the uh, the man wine growers uh, have been growing wine in the region since uh, the 17th century, and the uh, Barthame family has been uh, added since 1654. Wow. The Bartholomew brothers uh, run it right now. I, I don't have their uh, the brothers' names. But the, oh, actually, Maurice. Dick, and, Tom, and yeah, Bobby. Maurice and Jackie, and assisted by their wives, uh, Marie Claire and Marie Therese, uh, they manage the estate and uh, do uh, all the wines and stuff. Uh, they, they have a number of wines. I mean, they've got... At least 20, 30. Yeah, I was going to say at least 20 different wines. This is their entry level. And uh, like I said, you, depending on where you're at, it's it's $20 or so. And they're located, uh, you know, Alsace being in the uh, eastern, northeastern part of uh, France. They are uh, located right in the center of Alsace. Mm. So, nice. So they got that much going for them. Uh, well, th- well, this this the the only thing that was is a kind of the anomaly here is obviously this was an 05. And right. an 05 was a very good year for Alsace. The the fact of the matter is is that you know this this the only wine we had that had a bit of age to it. Yeah, you know, so yeah. right from the get go, I mean this this wine was slightly amber. You know, it was so gold. Yeah, it definitely you know? was gold. Though uh, the uh, Venica. You know, it, it was pretty close to it, but I, I definitely agree. It was definitely more uh, golder, but it was along the likes of the uh, Venica, the the dark color to it. Well, the, the Venica, like I said, it was has some color, but the Venica is light and kind of brassy. This was right. gold yellow, you know, like right. like apple cider. Well, I think this is the first wine that we had where it's somewhat mellow. <laughs> yes. Where the rest of them are really sort of bright, and this is sort of like, yeah, yes. I'm, I'm bright, but it's 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 a little bit calming. Mm-hmm. I almost, yeah. I, I told Steve, it's sort of savory. It's like a yeah. savory wine, where because you're getting um, lots of like, uh, uh, well, on, on the nose, I got a little bit of like petrol. Yeah, absolutely. Light Petr- slate. Yeah, so light yeah. light spice in there. Yeah. Um, like a, like a smoke, like like almost like a. Um, have you ever had me- a lemon that's just been roasted on the grill? Yeah. Where you get that, and it's like the, the sugars are there. Mm-hmm. It, it, I get that, like a roast um, or grilled like lemon. Yep. Um, not often seen, but uh, very good. The taste it, again, it, that that lemon that it had like this nice roundness to it, with the spice coming through, and then this herbal little spice quality to it. It's, mm. it's a really nice wine. Yeah. 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 I, I mean, I got uh, apricot. Uh, yeah, apricot. Honeyed, honeyed citrus. Yeah, the round the the wine itself was. I, I mean, I put down that it was round, um, 
but uh, softly crisp. Yeah, the, it's there's still, still crisp. There's still yeah. some acidity there. When wines are when white wines are are well made, you know they can age for a while. The for example the uh, the Veneca that we had, I've had I had an 05 of that like a few months ago, mm-hmm. and it was still holding up extremely well. Um, so you know they, these can age you know a bit better than some some whites you know that are that don't see yeah, a lot of oak is- at any rate. The, uh, this had the balance integration was really good. Yeah, John Paulo Venica, you know, he said that you know he's had some of the Pinot Grigios that you know were f- seven, eight, ten years, oh. and uh, so I mean, not that you want to. Well, I did pick long. up their uh, one of their higher label ones, which again, I think it retails thirty five dollars. I got it for twenty two dollars. Right. So that I'm going to sit on for a little while, and uh, I'm sure that'll pop up in a broadcast. Though I believe that was a oh six or oh seven. Nice. Nice. Um, yeah, I was I was really impressed with the wine. I mean, it was a rich wine, and as Tipo said, there was definitely some sweetness there, and but it had some savory qualities to it as well. I just thought from I, I don't know maybe some complexity or what have you. I not sure why. I I just I preferred it to the alcove quite a bit. Um, I I gave the wine you know a B plus. Yeah, I did the B plus A minus. Yeah. yeah. B plus. So nice. Cool. Nice. Right, yeah, wine of the night. My my wine of the night was Venica. Uh, that that to me was fantastic because I think it was the wasn't too sweet. It was a perfect blend for at least for my taste. Yeah, I think it's. Um, I, I like the Albert Man myself, but yeah. if I had to go over on variety correct wines, I think I'd probably go with the Venica, where it has that uh, the qualities to it. You know? Yeah, you know, I just think the I, I think the Venica is a little more versatile. Yeah, uh, you know the 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 Albert Mann has a lot of great qualities about it, and, and it could be a super wine depending on what you're having. I just think the Venica would be more. Yeah, is I think is is a little more well rounded. Yeah. Anyway, awesome. Um, well, if you want to hear, uh, if you give us future suggestions for future shows, which this was based off of a uh, our Facebook group page uh, suggestion. Uh, what would you call it? Billboard. Board. Um, board message board, message yeah. board. Yes. Uh, we're over uh, 5,000 members now so it's free to join yes. go on Facebook join it and uh, we'll uh, we'll be chatting pass along you. to your wine friends so yes. hey, for me cheers yeah, yeah. Up. keep whining Employco presents Great Moments in Freedom. Colonel Roosevelt! Oh, the Rough Riders are ready to charge the hill, sir. Bully, Sergeant, bully! But these insurance claims have me tied up in knots, and I haven't even begun to fight with the payroll. But, sir, you Sorry, have to... boy, San Juan Hill will just have to wait. Oh. I still have to find better health insurance rates for the boys and figure out this blasted vacation schedule. Oh, nope, sir. this is going to take some time. But, sir, the Rough Riders... Where? Hey, maybe if you bring in those troops from over at Employco... Employco? Yeah. Never heard of them. Oh, that's because they speak softly but carry a big stick. Mm. They handle employee benefits, payroll, human resources, work 
comp, so you can do what you do best, sir. You can call him on your way down the hill. Bully, Sergeant! Bully and Ploico! Now, this is what I call a great moment in freedom. I'll tell the man! Hmm, speak softly and carry a big stick. I kind of like that. Maybe I can use it somewhere. Great moments in freedom from Employco. Call us at 800-459-9800 and give yourself the freedom to succeed. Call 800-459-9800 or visit Employco.com.